1: All right, Rick Stroud with Eduardo Encino here. Buddy Cop after watching the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers lose their third game in a row this time at Tennessee in Nashville, which, by the way, it's a pretty good town, man.
2: Yeah, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) You like everything about it. I like it. It's got good good entertainment, good music, good barbecue. Oh, man. Good food. Uh, We didn't see good football today, though.
1: No, we didn't see it from the Bucs anyway. Um, That's for sure. So let's break this down. Um, at 2-5, and five, you know, you can debate whether there's much to play for left in the 2019 season. But that said, uh, this was not a great Tennessee team. I didn't sense. Clearly, when you look at the final stats, Eduardo, 246 total yards for the Titans, and yet they win the game because they get two touchdowns from turnovers inside their own, you know, 20-yard line. Um Obviously turnovers were a big part of the story again today. But also some questionable decisions, I thought, especially late in that game. Um, after the Bucks, you know, had gone up and then uh, and then lost the lead. We're gonna talk a lot about their defense as well, which was put in bad positions. But, you know, we've seen this a couple weeks in a row. They put their defense in bad positions, they give up the scores, but then late in the game when they need a stop, they allowed much like they did in London, but they, they allowed Tennessee to go 90 yards and 60 yards for touchdowns so it was a team loss but yet man this was a great opportunity to win and get to three and four and and I I just feel like it's another one of those games you look back and say yeah they kind of they they let Tennessee off the hook and lost the
2: game yeah and Rick when we look at these games you know maybe you know when, when you when we dissect them and stuff like that I mean these these are the kind of games that bad teams lose. You know, you talk about teams that good games that good teams win. This, these these are the kind of game that the bad teams lose. And you know, maybe it's about time we kind of, you know, call them what they kind of are. <laughs> yeah. And At two and five, it's hard to argue. But no, no question. You know, right now, uh, you know, it's amazing because you know, despite you know, really a a first few drives there that it basically looked like a. You know, carbon copy of that that game in London a little bit because, mm-hmm. you know, they gave the ball away on their own side, of, you know, own side of the field, you know, forced their defense to play with a really short field, and you know, found themselves behind. Mm-hmm. But then they came back, right, and uh, they came back on the, uh, you know, Mike Evans had a lot to do with it. Oh my God! Um, and obviously, you know, you know, Jameis Winston made some some good passes to him and. He, he was that guy who we kind of have, you know, we've seen a lot. You know, the guy who can escape the pocket and see Mike Evans downfield, throw the ball up and have trust in, in one of the best receivers and one of the, you know, long, longest catch radiuses in the game and that he can come down with the ball. And, and you know, there was a, a frame there when, you know, they had the lead and, you know, you kind of thought to yourself, you know, you know maybe this is one of those games that they, they can kind of pull out even though, you know, they turn the ball over and can kind of continue to turn the ball over. But at the end of the day... You know, like you said, there's some really curious personnel uh, matters here, and just play calling matters here. You know, yeah. and and at the end of the day, you know, there's one thing: having faith in your team, and having faith in your depth, and having faith in the play calling. There's also the idea of being realistic about it. You know, and you know, the the the, the fourth and one that you know, they did convert in the fourth, and you know, just some of the players that they used in in certain situations were really key situations. But was very curious, you know, and at the same time, you know, we asked ourselves, and you know, we, we were just talking about this, Rick, is, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about bad teams in the NFL. There's a lot of bad teams that don't have nearly the talent that this team does. True. And, and, and especially on offense. And and when you look at the tools that, that Jameis Winston has around him, the receivers that he has, you know, th- th- today was proof. You know, Chris Godwin did not have his best game. He he, he said it after the game. Uh you know, he, he got mixed up on some routes. He gave up on some routes, and they led to some some interceptions, one that was called back. Uh, he only had four catches for 43 yards. But, you know, this is a team that, you know, you have Mike Evans, and one guy gets shut down, another guy, you know, carries the load. And, um, you know, one thing that Godwin said at the end of the game yesterday, is like, one thing's really frustrating about this, it just feels like we're all kind of taking turns messing up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, I think the one thing that really hit me from the from the locker room today that was maybe a little bit different than past games is I think the sense of frustration is really starting to kick in. Yeah. I think they look at this and they look at 2-5. and five. They know that this season is really starting to slip away. Yeah. And, and at this point, they're like, you know, we, we, we really blew some opportunities here. And those are opportunities that when you look at this seven games into the season, we ain't getting those back. No, they're running
1: out of, out of time, and I think they have a 1-in-20 chance maybe of making the playoffs from 2 and 5 I mean, you'd virtually, as JPP said, and we'll talk about him in a minute, um, you almost have to win every game to try to to yeah. try to stay alive and, and get, get back in this thing. But you mentioned Mike Evans, and, um, you know, there was a time when it looked like, of course, he took over the franchise lead with 432 receptions, career receptions, breaks James Wilder's record, but it looked like he, he was headed – to well over a 200 yard day had 190 something yards as it was Um, but inexplicably and I've heard this before and it doesn't make sense to me still they did not even target him in the fourth quarter which is astounding to me that the guy can dominate that much for three periods and then they say well you know they were playing cover two they double teamed him they took him away well you know what it's up to you to find a way to keep your best player involved, and if no one's going to step up, you cannot in the fourth quarter throw to Brashard Perryman four times, and not throw to Mike Evans at all, and and that's sort of the use of the personnel that we're you know I know this they've been searching for this third receiver, but Perryman has not played. Um, when he's played, he hadn't played well. It's sort of like in uh, John Romano wrote about this. It's it's like they get down near the goal line and you know, on third and goal for the four or whatever, you know, you give it to Darway and Gumbawale, who has all of one carry for minus yards this year. And, and then, you know, that's when you get Perriman running into wale in a Keystone Cops moment that apparently Jameis Winston was responsible for because he wasn't supposed to hem the ball, uh, obviously, with the guy in motion like that until he cleared. So uh, it just, I am I, I would be frustrated if I was a Bucks fan, but, you know, when the game came down to it, the Bucks had a chance to go down, score a touchdown, and win. And they got down around the 40-yard line or so. And on fourth and a long one, I mean, this was more than a yard, maybe just inches slight, you know, short of two yards. They go to the shotgun formation, which they had tried to run out a few other times unsuccessfully. And they have, I guess, two plays called. But according to the coverage, again, Jameis Winston goes to an inside handoff Jensen gets beat inside, and Peyton Barber never had a chance to even make it back to the line of scrimmage, much less get the first down. That is not an aggressive play call. You know, they stacked the, the, the receivers to the left, and they had man coverage. But for a guy who's made his reputation on no risk it, no biscuit, you know, twice, once he did not go for it on fourth down uh, inside, I think, like the 39-yard line in the second half, decided to punt. And then this other time, he goes for a running play, which we saw against the Giants in, a, in, a, in an almost similar situation. They had the lead at that time, but we saw it with Peyton Barber, and they settled for a field goal. I, I just don't get the play calling, and I'm sorry. I know Bruce is on the headset, but Byron Leftwich is the offensive coordinator, and even though they've gotten lots of yards and in some games many points, there seems to be a disconnect about when to use the right personnel, when to run the ball, when to take shots, when to be aggressive. It just wasn't good. You know what I mean? And I'd say that if they'd have made the first down. That was a that was a fourth and two almost. So I don't know. I don't think the coaching staff is helping right now. I, I think that there are mistakes being made. And, yes, the players are responsible. But, you know, one of the things that are the tenets of Bruce Arians is accountability. Well, Outside of Bobo Wilson losing his job, and you know, TJ Logan came in and had a nice return, there really hasn't been any changes. There really hasn't been any accountability. And then we can talk about Carlton Davis, who had, you know, an unfortunate yet maybe one of the worst games I've seen him play.
2: Yeah, and you know, Rick, but when we when we talk about this, it's like, you know, one of the one of the staples of the Arians teams is is really that. You know, they get better as the season goes along, right? Right, right. And, and obviously, a, a, a good part of that, and, and this is, you know, left which carries on this. We, we hear him talk about this every week, is, you know, the, the key to coaching is really putting your posi- your players in the best positions to succeed, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of that is putting faith in players who maybe haven't been in those moments, but you can see them emerge in those moments. Yeah. I think there's a, definitely a fine line there between putting them in situations to succeed and maybe overthinking it and putting them in situations where they can't. Right. And you know, like no matter what, I think Bucks fans would be much in a much better way to digest the way these games are going if, you know, you go to your guns, you know, right. and you you, you you try if you try it. with the guys who gotten you there. That's right. And the guys who are your best players and you fail doing it, at least you gave it your go. But this yeah. over it's almost over creativity mm. that this 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 that this this offense is kind of starting to, to morph into that's really kind of baffling because again it goes back to the same thing, like, you know, I just feel like this, this, especially on offense, you know, and, and I wrote about this uh, in one of the 18 million stories I wrote this week, but, you know, th- this this team has invested so much in its offense, right? Of course. So much. Built around Jameis Winston. I think it was something like 40, almost 40% around five players when you look at the offensive line, yep. Jameis. And Mike Evans, uh, Cameron Bray. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and for them to be struggling to score points this much, and the way they are struggling scoring points, it's just it's just it's just not good enough. Basically, I mean, like there's really no other way to put it, is it? You know, and 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 that might brings it maybe brings us to the next you know topic here, which is that you know there was a very. you know, Bruce Arians stood on the podium today and he said to you, to your question, he said, you know, you know, nothing's guaranteed here. My next day isn't guaranteed. Is your next day guaranteed? You know, I, I, I want to win today. You know, we're not in, going, to, going to go into rebuild mode. And right. that obviously comes on the heels of the, the, the trade deadline coming up on Tuesday. Yeah. And, and you know, there, there are going to have to be, now I know the fans are thinking this, but maybe the fans are thinking about this more than they are in one buck place. But, you know, have some hard decisions here about where this franchise is, where it needs to go, what kind of decisions need to be made, and really, like I said, I think it all goes back to the, the way that this this team has invested in its offense and an offense that turns the ball over simply too much and does not put its team in a position to win games. Like you know, this defense, like you said, the the Bucks outgained the Titans today in total yards, in first downs, oh, yeah. time of possession. Basically every offensive category, with mm-hmm. maybe the exception of penalties, you know, the Titans probably had fewer penalties than the Bucks. But everything else, with the exception of turnovers, the Bucks outplayed the Titans. This is not a good team, the Titans. No, they're I, not. They're, they're four they're, and four. I they're, mean, they're, they're, they're four and four. They're muddling. They're they had team to win two in a row to do that. Yeah, one they're a team in transition with, with, with quarterback situation. You know. Um, they really don't have many stars with the exception of, of Derrick Henry, who's a really good running back, but they held him to 75 yards as they continue to stop the run. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know, this is going to be an interesting couple days that, that we're going to be dealing with here as we lead up to Tuesday. And the questions are kind of constantly revolving around where is this franchise at? And, and maybe this is a good time for the, the trade deadline to be here because it's two and five. You, there's some hard questions they've really got to ask themselves about where they are at as an organization, as a team.
1: Well, they've never been real aggressive, either buying or selling at the trade deadline. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. I'm sure teams would love to have O.J. Howard. Um, there might even be some that could use, I don't know, Indomicon Sue or how about Shaq Barrett? And we even saw Jason Pierre-Paul on his first mm-hmm. play back have a sack and then a tackle for loss. And, and, and in spot duty, played really, really well. So there are some pieces that they may not have available to them next year in any case because they're going to be free agents. Um, you know, but I don't see them selling off a lot because most of the time teams want to steal guys and not give you value. But if they can get value, yeah. I mean, it's time to admit that this is not, for whatever reason, a great football team. Or if it is a good football team, there's a major disconnect between them and the coaching staff. I thought that the little things would be taken care of. And what I mean by that is center quarterback exchange. You can't have a quarterback not prepared to take the snap and have a ball hit him in the face mask early in the game to give the other team a touchdown. That's not professional football. Does it happen from time to time? Yeah, it does. Should it happen with the, the kind of frequency it does here? No. I mean, Jameis Winston lost, on his record at least, two fumbles. He threw two more interceptions. Chris Godwin and him had played forever. I know it's a new offense, but this is week seven. You know what I mean? It's, it's not as if you can't figure it out. And, and they're coming out of the bye week. They're coming out of the bye week where, going into the bye week, Bruce Arians said, we have to prepare better. We have to be more prepared. We have to prepare smarter. We have to know what we're doing. Well, in those cases, at least the two throws that Jameis made. And, and you know what? Good, bad, or indifferent, man. Arians is going to stand up there every day and tell you whether the quarterback's at fault. And he said it when Jameis is at fault. On Sunday, he said, don't, I don't care what you write. None of those interceptions were on the quarterback. Well, yeah, go tell somebody that lives, you know, some other city where Jameis had four more turnovers and tell them it wasn't on the quarterback because it certainly goes on his record. Um, this is this is a franchise and a football team that that invested a lot into Bruce Arians. They invested a lot into this coaching staff. And the one thing that attracted that I'm sure to Arians was in addition to being the quarterback whisperer, he had turned programs around quickly. He did it in Indianapolis when he took over Chuck Pagano, was coach of the year. He did it in Arizona right away, was coach of the year. You're not seeing that same impact on a pretty experienced, pretty veteran team. I mean, Mike Evans and Jameis Winston have played together a long time. O.J. Howard's in his third year. Chris Godwin, you know, all those all those guys you mentioned are not new players. And the same thing is true on defense. They have a young secondary, um, but the rest of it is a mix of veterans and, and – um, you know, and, and rookies. I just don't understand why they're not getting their points across because it, it does seem game after game now, especially two weeks in a row, we've seen this team self destruct, give up points to a to a Titans team that wasn't very good, that you know, but but then still made the big drives in the end. Um, this is a this is a frustrating time for a lot of those players. And I thought Mike Evans was about as frustrated as I've ever seen him.
2: Yeah, I you mean, talk to him
1: after the game. We
2: we, uh, you know, this is the way I kind of wrote it. Just kind of try to paint a picture in that locker room, and mm, you know, it was quiet. You know, I mean, it was quieter than most. And, and I think you know they wanted it quiet. You know, Jason Pierre-Paul heard a couple guys get loud in there, and he told them, you know, went into the shower, yeah. or the
1: bathroom area, yeah, yeah. Sh-
2: shut up. You know, don't don't They'll be talking about your noise, yeah, right. And so, uh, they're playing the role here of of an angry, angry team. And I'm really a mm-hmm. frustrated one. And, and, and Mike he w- was at the top. I mean, Mike sat in his locker for a good, you know, five, ten minutes there and stared at it blankly mm-hmm. at, before he talked to us. And afterwards, you know, the one, one of the great things about Mike Evans, you know, is from covering him a long time, is that and is it, he's, he's honest. Oh, you know, yeah. you're not going to, he's, he's not going to try to paint a picture. that the-
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
2: A rosy picture. He painted one of like, listen, we have, like like I was saying, we have too many good players on this team, too many, you know, impact potential players uh, to, to, to be in this situation. And, you know, to, to those guys, that they get it. It's all about, I mean, a lot of it does come down to the turnovers, you know. You know, you can carry, like, there's enough blame to go around here. We all know that, you know. A lot of it goes on Winston and some of it belongs on Winston. Some of it will belong on Winston, but there's enough blame to go around. And, you know, hearing hearing Evans and Godwin both talk in very you know, frustrated tones, you know, these are two guys who are really the, the heart of this team, I think, you know, um, and they're guys who lead not necessarily by being loud or anything like that. They lead by getting the job done, you know. And, um, you know, so so he was frustrated. I think a lot of guys are frustrated. We mentioned Jason Pierre-Paul. You know, he Jason Pierre-Paul wanted to be on the field a lot more than than he was able to be you know he um you know he he didn't play every snap and and he's a guy who's used to playing about 90 95 percent of snaps when he's healthy he didn't play nearly that but he still made a big impact he had a sack on his first snap of the game unbelievable he had three tackles for a loss he did a really big good job of helping them stuff the run you know Shaq Barrett played his first game with him today and he was like wow I I can't believe this guy you know and, and so um but but you know they're, they're, they're not to the point yet where they're playing for pride but they're <laughs> well they know the way home <laughs> right. look they've, they've
1: been two and five before right. i mean like what mike Evans what i sensed from him was and you said it he's too good of a player you know going into his sixth season he's going to have over 1, a thousand yards again i mean you're talking about two receivers here in the sort and and look <laughs> one guy's in the hall of Fame. And i don't want to put mike there yet. But when Peyton Manning had Reg, had Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne, that that's sort of what you're seeing in young players and these two guys. You've got two dynamic yeah. dynamic elite receivers that are capable of, of of putting up a pile of yards and touchdowns in every single game and while they've sort of taken turns doing it, they're both really really good. I mean, there's no shortage of talent on on this football team and that's what's so confounding I think to all of them, but Yet here they are again at two and five. And this season, I'm sorry, is not going to result in the playoffs. Maybe they get hot and they get on a roll and they, you know, they 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 salvage something towards the end of the year, but now they got to go to Seattle. And the Seattle Seahawks went into Atlanta and beat probably the other worst team in the NFC South, the Atlanta Falcons, which is no great shakes. You know, Dan Quinn may lose his job by the time they face the Falcons again. Um, that team is an absolute mess. Um, you want to stay in the NFC South? How about Carolina going out to the West Coast and just getting absolutely demolished by the San Francisco 49ers, which suddenly doesn't look like such a bad win on opening day, even though they should have beaten them. But this team is now giving away about three games, in my estimation. Um, and you can say that about all the bad teams in the NFL, and you can say it about the good ones, too. that find a way to win. But it's true. They they should be better than two and five. And yet, this is where this is where they live. So, I mean, I don't know. You know, Jason Pierre Paul certainly certainly will play well opposite Shaq Barrett. I mean, on his very first sack, Shaq Barrett got triple teamed and Pierre Paul got a one on one and he won. Um, that may help them. But I think as they look at this deadline, if they get an opportunity to stockpile some draft picks, and I wouldn't just have a fire sale, but, you know, there's also, it's getting to the point, I don't mean to have a pity party for some of these guys, but like Levante David played as well as any linebacker played today. I bet you could put on the tape, you know, on Sunday and see him make so many plays um, during this game. He's never had any success as a team. Uh, he was frustrated. We talked. I talked to him about Carlton Davis making mistakes. You know, that game-winning touchdown, Carlton Davis lines up on the inside when he's supposed to have outside leverage, drops back too far, guy runs a slant. It's an easy pitch and catch. He's not even in the, in the frame to make a play. I mean, that sort of thing, you know, just has to drive – players crazy and you know they made some subtle adjustments we saw Vernon Hargraves go inside on a few defenses we saw Jamil Dean play a little bit um you know they did some things on the back end but whatever they do it's just not enough and I I can't imagine what it must how frustrating it must be to be a part of this football team right now
2: and you know going back to Arians you know Arians is very vigilant and it is in his honesty about this team and where they sit right now you and we talk about that secondary and you know Oof. his 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 quote rang pretty loud in terms of uh, get their whatever. heads out of places they don't belong. Yeah, we can't really say those words, can we, on the podcast? No, well, maybe the <laughs>
1: podcast has a little more liability a little more leniency. <laughs> anyway, you can you can read
2: uh well you know,
1: He's quoted he's everywhere He's quoted
2: everywhere. <laughs> but but um, Get their
1: heads out of their expletives. Right. So yeah.
2: um you can not that's that's a pretty uh pretty good co- pretty good uh Criticism of, of the uh, – as, as good of a criticism as one can lay yeah. on, on the secondary. And, um, you know, Carlton Davis uh, didn't have a good game. There's no way around it, you know. Well, he, he has the
1: two interceptions yeah. on two plays. Now, this is a guy that's not had a single interception uh, after, like, 18 starts in the NFL. And when I say not even had one, he hasn't got close to one. He ends up with two picks on two consecutive plays. Um, the first one I didn't, I didn't think was interference, but – so what, they called it. The second one, it looked, you know, Arians challenged because he thought the receiver had a flop. um And that one looked even less like an yeah. interference. But then you come back and you make a horrific play after that. I mean, th- that's eight penalties now on Carlton Davis this year that have resulted in first downs.
2: Eight. Just you, think about that for a second. There's, there's the yardage and then there's the, the reward of the first down. And that's just- yeah. Amazing. That's an amazing number. And we're only seven games into the season. Yeah, right.
1: And I mean, that by contrast, I think the most anyone else has on the team is three. Um, But Carlton Davis is a clutch and grab guy. He's often in good position. But for whatever reason, he likes to reach out and hold people um, and he gets the flags. And, you know, these referees know the M.O. of these guys and they're looking for that sort of thing. So that doesn't benefit them. But they got decisions to make. If anybody were to come and give them value for those players over the weekend or by Tuesday, I think they have to really look at it. Um, but you know, it's it's incredible because this schedule turns now after the Seattle game that'll end this gauntlet of no games at Raymond James from September twenty um, second until November tenth when they come back and they play five of the last eight at home. This was such a critical game because at three and four you get back to five hundred. Maybe you got a chance to really, you know, turn it around in the second half. Now at two and five, it's virtually impossible. And I'm, we're gonna to start to see now sort of if there's any splits in that locker room because I, you know, you mentioned the moment that Pierre Paul was was not happy with some of the players chirping a little bit after the game. Yeah, I think you're gonna see more of that. I talked to Levante David and he was pretty critical of Carlton Davis and the fact that guys aren't playing the right techniques that they're not doing their job. That they're not into their playbooks. We heard that going into the bye week, that they needed to get back yeah. in their playbooks and prepare harder. And what did we see? A bunch of mistakes, a bunch of mental errors. Um, so you know, Arians can't be happy with that. It's it's just a it's a never ending story with these guys. And if you're a Bucs if you're a Bucks fan, I feel for these people. Can you imagine watching this game, seeing them go up and then and then lose again right. in a game that they dominated? um even right down to the end i mean you know getting the ball back in the final seconds and then of course uh you know Jameis winds up throwing a pick but
2: well, also too you know I think the true bucks fan really understands too is like you know i know there's a lot of chirping about the uh the, the fake field goal the the, the, f- the fumble that that wasn't that cost like, them with, with the whistle and it, it cost them it cost them dearly they would have they could take, have won again the they, they could have taken the lead with three like a little bit over three minutes left you know momentum you, play like yeah, that Yeah, i mean and and a big momentum play. You silence the crowd on the road. You, you, you take all the all kind of, you know, their heart out a little bit. But you know what? When You can't compl- – like, so if, if, if we're going to complain about the refs making a mistake, everyone makes mistakes, right? And the Bucks made enough themselves to <laughs>
1: – Well, that's, that's why there wasn't a whole lot of right. talk about it. I mean, Arians brought it up one time, and he's right. I mean, I've never seen a quicker whistle, especially with a punter running the ball, you know, a holder running right. the ball in that situation – Devin White, though, if you're looking for hope, here's where it lies. Devin White played his second full game in, in quite some time since getting injured early in the year. That dude can flat-out play. I mean, he he made some splash plays. He was all over the field. There's hope there. Sean Murphy Bunting had a nice game. Yeah. You know, he, he made some nice plays um, in coverage and did some things. So there's some young guys now starting to assert themselves a little bit. We saw MJ Stewart wasn't even active. That's how much confidence they have in, in right. Murphy Bunting. The
2: one one thing that you know, it, it's it's great when you really look at, on the field and somebody plays, and and, and sometimes between plays. You know, there was one play where, you know, Devin White kind of got beat a little bit. I think on a screen pass to the outside. You know, probably like a fifteen yard gain. You know, he goes back. Levante David tells him something. A little bit of you know coaching on the mm-hmm. field and stuff like that. But. Man, when you see that that fake uh, field goal breakdown, you know, uh, Devin White's in the middle there, mm-hmm. right? He taps a little guy on the shoulder tells him, hey, be be careful for something coming. And he knew from the start. The moment Scott Kern picked up that ball he was and started running, horse, he yeah. was on his... like It was almost like watching a guy in someone's crosshairs. Mm-hmm. And, and and Devin White was going to get there. He was going to hit him hard. And you know what? The way he hit him, there was no doubt he was going to knock the ball out, oh, too. Oh, yeah. So... Um, you know, when you look at just looking at a play like that, you can have see a lot of promise from a guy like Devin White, who honestly hasn't played that much football at this level at this speed. Right. And it's really, you know, there's so I heard all the things on Twitter about how you know because he was hurt that he was going to be a bust. You know, another no, bust. So all that stuff like this. Like this guy is going to be a player, and if you really look at the way he plays, you look at his ability to move. Sideline to sideline, which is one of the reasons, big reasons why they drafted him. Yeah, you know this guy is going to be a playmaker. You just got to give him, let him learn a little bit, and he's going to learn faster than you think.
1: Well, Todd Bowles has his work cut out for him. I thought they played better coverage overall. Um, they got their hands on a lot of footballs. They got off the field. This team dominated the Titans in almost every way you can, except when it mattered, and that's when they needed to get a stop. And they allow them to go ninety yards for a touchdown. We've seen that now two weeks in a row. That's very hard to do. The percentages are so much against the offense to to drive it that far. So you know that's that's how you win games. In the last quarter, you stop. You either stop people or you go down and score. And the Bucks have not been able to do either, even though the games have been there for them in the balance. So it's on to Seattle against the Seahawks team with Russell Wilson, who's an absolute MVP candidate, one of the hardest stadiums to play in. I know you're looking forward to going to Seattle. Uh, you know that that place will be rocking, uh, and and. I thought it was weird, but it was kind of interesting, too. Jameis Winston, you had videotape of this, sort of walking off the podium, and it was sort of a walk-off. Yeah. And he didn't wasn't quite Joe Namath, but he sounded pretty close to it.
2: Yeah, I mean, one of our colleagues asked him uh, about, you know, just kind of trying how to tell him, yeah. tell him a little bit about how, how he feels at this moment. you know, obviously frustrating hitting in, and he said, you know, I, I feel like I know that we're going to get better and we're going to win next week. So I think of falling short of like this like hand in the air prediction, but um, you know, it definitely a different kind of Jameis than the one we see. We always see Jameis be positive on the podium. You know, we always not getting better. Wasn't yeah, he? he this time he was a little bit defiant, absolutely. Yeah.
1: And I think he felt for the first time that guys around him let him down. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he was happy about that. Um, he didn't try to make excuses or run from the interceptions. He had a guy that doing that for him, but it was a it was a different tone that Jameis struck, um, and he also defended the, you know, the fourth down run that that he essentially was told to call under a certain look, um, and feels like you know what, he said it's fourth and one for the game, fourth and one for the game. We have to be able to pick that up, and they weren't able to do it. Ryan Jensen got pushed backward, and that was the end of it. So. Anyway, the Bucks go to two and five. Uh, we'll wrap it up with the Houston Astros. After dropping their first two games in Houston, come back now, and they've won three straight against the Nationals. This series is over, right?
2: You don't want to give a team hope, man. You don't want to, and You definitely don't want to give a team hope as good as the Houston Astros. Way too. Because much. Um, you know the Nats had them on the ropes after that Game Two win where they totally dominated them, and in in, uh, in Houston, I thought to myself, man, we're. There might be some serious a party going on in D.C. down Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah. But um, you know this team's good. We all know the Astros are working to necessarily go away, but they've come back with a real big vengeance. And uh, you know, what what's I think is interesting is that, you know, it's really been a team, really kind of effort. You know, we they you know it hasn't you know, we, been one star. Right, really. We all talk about the pitching. We talk about the starters. We talk about the young young nucleus or anything like that. Guys like you know Robinson Chirinos, you know a former a former race catcher who yeah. you know at thirty five is having the hell you know the the postseason of his life. Yeah, you know really a journeyman for a long time. Uh, you know guys like that who are really kind of you know a, a bullpen that got beat up early in this series and now is really kind of you know just just knocking down doors in the late innings. You know, uh, you know, and that's what it takes to win World Series. You know what I mean? It, it takes a complete team effort. I know that's cliche, but like. You know, and, and when you're that good, you, you're able to do it. You know I mean? Uh, good, good teams win big games, and well, they uh, do.
1: And, and I mean, credit. To, it's hard to come back from down two zero. You feel like you really lost something, and I hope Davy Martinez doesn't bear the brunt of this. He got him. You may. I asked you about this earlier, but he got him farther than ever. they were ever expected to go or ever had gone. So, um, might have made some questionable moves with his bullpen in Game Four. Who's to say? But uh, at the end, I think the Houston Astros were the best team. And in a seven-game series, we always say this, usually the best yeah. team will win. This is not a five-game series, but it's seven. So we'll see if the Astros can lock that up, their second World Series in three years. All right, that's going to be it from us uh, from the beautiful city of Vegas, Nashville, Tennessee, where we've had plenty of uh, good times. But then it's time to get back and get back on the road again, this time to Seattle, Hey, on Sunday hey
2: Rick can we uh, can we get some hot chicken before we
1: leave? <laughs> oh man <laughs> I can't have any more hot chicken and it is hot too folks I'll say this too about Nashville there is no lack of talent in this town if you're playing in a restaurant or one of these honky tonks
2: let's talk about that Rick it's
1: dude they were so good I mean the music are, I mean, I'm not a huge country music fan you gotta admit the talent up here is
2: ridiculous dude the thing that was great we were listening to some guys last night it's like I think what it is, it's the diversity of what they can do, man. Like these guys can hit notes. They can do anything. They can beatbox, They can do everything. Like we had guys who were doing country. They were doing no diggity. They were doing, (laughs) uh, geez, they were like, it's just the range of some of these guys here. It was all good too. It's just so good to like walk through lower Broadway and just go from, you know, open, open restaurant front to rest bar front to bar front and just hear all this music. It's, it's unlike anything else, you know. It's, really it really is. is unlike any other city in America. And anyone who hasn't been to Nashville, uh, you know, you got to go just to check it out because it's uh, it really is a once uh, one of a kind city that uh, I think you know. Even if you're not a country music fan, I'm not a country music fan at all. But if you like music and you like entertainment and you just like sitting there and like listening to live music, uh, you can't go wrong.
1: They got some bourbon in this town, too, if you like that. So that's always good as well. All right. For Eduardo Encina, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Thanks to Steve Versing for producing. We'll talk to you on Monday from uh, One Buck Place to see the fallout. And, of course, Tuesday's deadline at 4 p.m.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well...